Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today I'm joined by Chad Reed. Chad is the Vice President of Marketing Communications at Jotform. Welcome to the podcast, Chad. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. It's great to have you on. So, I, I mean, we always ask people at the start of the podcast, how do they end up in their current role? So can you give us a bit of history of your, your career and how you ended up marketing at Jotform? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, it's funny. I, my career follows a similar arc in some ways to a previous guest I think you had with, with Sprout Social, where I graduated into the recession in the, um, 2009. I had a journalism degree and I, I kind of didn't know what to do with it after I graduated. And once I ended up in the San Francisco Bay Area, I just sort of uh, was blindly sending my resume all over to, over the place for people who were looking for uh, writing skills. And that kind of landed me in marketing. And of, of course, I took to it down a long, long, dark and winding path and uh, sort of uh, worked my way up in, into, into Jotform. And I've been at Jotform for the past eight years. It's been a really remarkable journey joined in, in 2014 when uh, we were just opening a San Francisco office and, and now I, I lead our marketing efforts, which is again housed in San Francisco. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been been an awesome ride. I, I love those kind of accidental careers where, you know, you end up in San Francisco, look for a job and, and ultimately it leads to running marketing communications, uh, an interesting marketing technology company. Yeah, I remind myself very regularly how how lucky and, and fortunate I am. And we just moved into a, an awesome new office in, in San Francisco and it overlooks the bay and the ferry building and the Bay Bridge. And I have regularly have these like pinch myself moments. Like I, I cannot honestly, you know, 22 year old Chad would have never, <laughs> never envisioned this. And yeah, I'm very, very grateful, very grateful. So I, I would be a bit cheeky here. Would 22-year-old Chad have dreamt of promoting software that creates forms on the web? I mean, do we need another form software company? Do we need another? <laughs> you know, no, we don't. I'll, I'll phrase that in the way that Jotform has been around since 2006. So we were one of the, one of the, if not the first, what you see is what you get form builder softwares at the time. Interestingly enough, two of our primary competitors also launched in 2006. It was kind of the year of the form if you will. But, you know, we've been a market leader for a long time and I feel like we're really carrying a lot of momentum. So I would say, no, we don't need another additional uh, <laughs> form software in addition to, to Jotform. But of course, that's not going to stop new competitors and and, uh, and everything else. But we're, we're really well situated. I like to use the term that we're a moat business in, in a lot of ways because 16 years of developing Jotform means we put a lot of resources into new feature developments and integrations and just a laundry list of product improvements that uh, that really uh, separate us. But it's the, the size of the pie is going to continue to grow. And it's not really about our competitors so much as I think as it is people still using legacy, very outdated systems and pen and paper and printing things out and writing them by hand. And, and uh, we're uh, that's that's our opportunity. So that's a long, long, long and winding answer to your, your question, but we're in a good spot. And so I'm really interested because, you know, obviously forms are pretty mature in terms of a, a technology, you know, 16 years in, in internet years is a long time. Um, mm. Are there things you do that you think are particularly cool or different to uh, other form providers? 
Yeah, you know, for JotForm, it's the suite of products. It's not just our, our forms. Obviously, forms are our bread and butter. It's in our name, but we offer document automation and um, payment collection. So we integrate with more than 30 different payment processor options. We process tens of millions in, in payments. We handle that for, for our users. And that's something that's really unique about JotForm and, and kind of maybe something that people aren't expecting that, you know, it's an easy way to get paid. But we have a, an amazing database slash spreadsheet hybrid product that we launched a year and a half ago called JotForm Tables that's been really popular. We have an app builder so people, you know, a small business can launch their their own app really quickly. Just a, a very expansive and growing list of, of new products that are kind of into the suite of productivity and automation and all the things that we're allowing our, our customers to do. So yeah, you know, it's not just about forms anymore. And uh, forms are still kind of at the, the centerpiece of what we're allowing people to do, but it's it's so much more. And that's really interesting that that you've really looked at adding automations as well as presumably integrating with with other systems. I mean, I, I'm guessing you have a pretty long list of integrations as well. I personally believe that, you know, a form company is really only as strong as their integrations. That has, you know, been the case for with JotForm, I think, in the past until we started creating things that users could basically do with their data and stay within JotForm. But for a long time, you know, forms are just an entry point, right? You know, you're not creating a form to have a form. You're creating a form to get the information. What do you want to do with that information? Maybe it's uh, sync it with a project management software or a CRM or email marketing software or whatever, you know, if get a notification in Slack. So integrations have been really kind of a lifeblood and they ultimately create great partnership opportunities with these other companies, but also stickier users. They're providing a lot of value and, and uh, ultimately those users are less likely to, to leave JotForm in the future. So yeah, integrations are a big, uh, a big part of what we do. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've had a very long list of, of direct integrations and we're, we're still continuing to add. And so, you know, one, one of the things I, I'm interested in, you've, you've got some automation capabilities yourself. You know, are, are there any really cool applications where people have used JotForm in a marketing context that you're aware of that maybe use the database or use the payments? You know, some examples of how people have um, taken JotForm and, and almost built a mini application out of it. Because I think that's, that's the exciting thing about JotForm is you can almost build an application out of the capabilities. You can do anything with JotForm. That's kind of the beauty of it. It's, it's a touch point that can put the information that you want just about anywhere. From a marketing perspective, I could talk a little bit how our marketing department uses it. And I think it's, it's kind of a broad use case, but we funnel a lot of requests. We get requests from internally or externally and just managing that from a, um, and placing it to the correct team and putting it syncing it with project boards that where people can get their work started and, and organized. That's a big way that marketing teams all across the country and, and all across the world use it. And certainly how we do it at, at JotForm, and it's a big pr productivity saver, right? You know, just funneling the information that you need, exactly the information that you need, and putting it where you need it is a big value add. Conventionally speaking, forms. I think most marketers think about forms from a lead generation perspective, and and getting the correct customer information, and making sure that's highly visible and and a, and a big touch point for acquiring new business. So that's that's a that's always a big big drop form use cases, especially for, for job or, you know, for marketers everywhere. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, talking about forms for lead gen, I mean, it, it's one of the marketers, you know, biggest concerns. 
I, I mean, what can marketers do to increase those form conversion rates? Because that's always a big metric for us. It is. And I, I think the biggest mistake is when they just think having a form is enough and not, not thinking about the aesthetic of the, the form or the, the design, the layout, the flow, the conversation that you're, you're initiating with your, your customer when you have it on there. So um, you can always tell it's really plainly obvious when someone just, uh, you know, a company is dropping a, a form on there and it, it does not match the, the aesthetics or the brand of the site. And it just looks like a completely different experience. But, you know, that's something that even without a, uh, a great design eye or, or capability, you can always do the, the little things, right? You know, you can always get the, the hex color code and, and match the fonts. And these are things that you can do within JotForm without even needing any technical expertise. You know, we have a form designer feature that, that kind of lets you, lets you uh, manipulate that. So just doing the, the bare minimums of, of making it look at least like your site is... Uh, giving a signaling of trust, you know, with, with your potential customers. And that's, and that's huge. Um, and then also just don't over ask, you know, I, I think that a lot of uh, lead generation forms in particular, think about questions to ask their potential customers that they don't need, but they, they want, but that might be killing your conversions, you know? So I think really just boiling down to the information you precisely need and then sticking just to that, especially as an initial touch point. Those are two things that will go a long way. I would say one, uh, one final tip is the submit button. By default, any form builder software, especially with JotForm, it's going to say submit on it, and that's what we think about. But think about in terms of the, again, the conversation you're having with your customer and, and just tweaking the language on the, the, the CTA to something that's a little bit more personalized or action item, You know, even if it's just request to speak with someone or uh, send your information or whatever, whatever language you, that makes sense for your business, injecting it into that, that standard submit button to make it a little bit more of a personalized experience. All these are very small things, but they make a big difference when you're, you're looking for a high performing lead gen form. And how much of it is around experimentation? Do you see some things work for, for some applications and then, then you'll have another customer who actually, you know, something different is, is driving the conversion rate? Uh, completely. Yeah. Every business is different for sure. Yeah. There's not like a one, one size fits all, but if you, if you have the capability to do any kind of AB testing, certainly within job form where there's some analytics and you can check the form conversion because we'll, we'll track the, you'll be able to track the views to your form, you know, who's, who's filling it out from, from which device type, that kind of thing. Um, so that's certainly helpful, but it's, it's great to measure these things, you know, and just, just kind of see for yourself because yeah, I, of course, the, I think the, the tips I just gave are broadly applied, but it might not for your business. So see what's working. And hmm. yeah, you know, it's, it, if you're going to test anything, for sure, test your form. That's yeah. great advice. I think it's really good. I'm interested as well, you mentioned something earlier about um, your automation capabilities around documents. Now, I, I mean, clearly, it's obvious why you'd you know, move into a database and start offering that where people can collect data and store it. Can you talk a little about what you're doing in terms of document automation? Yeah, you know, we're we're just kind of at the tip of the iceberg, I think, with JotForm. But basically, at the moment, you can have your form submission through a standard online form spit out a beautifully designed PDF. There are a number of broad use cases, I guess, where, where that's going to make sense for someone. But if you need the submission to turn into a polished professional PDF 
that's something that you can do with JawForm, and that's really that's been a, a great feature. It's called our PDF editor. It's something we launched a, a number of years ago. Um, like I said, we're still refining even just PDF capabilities in general, but that's uh, that's been something that's been a, a fun a fun value add and, and kind of an extension of what you can do with online forms. Again, sort of being the centerpiece of a lot of different capabilities. Yeah. So if you were organizing an event, for example, it could uh, spit out a personalized a agenda and a ticket. And yeah. Uh-huh. Rather than a yeah. that, that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah. Honestly, that's a great example because I, I think, uh, you know, people are looking for something a little bit more tangible when they fill in something related to an event, and then yeah, you can have something that's custom branded and and uh, and ready to go, and that can be sent automatically to uh, the person who just submitted it, as well as the you know the the form creator as well. So it's it kind of goes both ways. That sounds like a, a really interesting feature. Actually, it's not something you see with with other form builders, but I can see a lot of applications, you know, where people do want something customized in in terms of PDF, particularly around events or webinars or something like that. Mm-hmm, um, for sure, yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Love that feature. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. Definitely been great. So, I, I mean, we've talked a little bit about JotForm. We've talked about some of the features. Is this an expensive, you know, sort of large enterprise kind of product? I mean, what are the sort of costs involved to get started with JotForm? You can use JotForm for free. That's kind of been the beauty <laughs> of it. We're a freemium service where the lion's share of our, of our users to this day are still still free and, and uh, we love them all the same, you know, and we, we offer a pretty robust offering for our free products. You get up to 100 form submissions per month. So if you need 50 form submissions a month and, uh, you know, you're fine with that. It, it, it's great. We've had users on the platform for years for free. And you get the full suite of our features and products, even at the free plan. So we're, we're not locking any features behind behind paid tiers. With the exception of uh, HIPAA compliance, we lock that under our silver plan just because of the, the additional costs and resources that that runs. But yeah, so it's it's it works great for that. And But we do have, you know, free, which has kind of its own set of users all the way up to major enterprises that have a hundred plus paid users on, administered under a single account. You know, so it's it's the, the types of businesses that need forms are every type of business, right? It's every every single organization on the planet needs a, a way to collect some kind of information. So um, that's been sort of the beauty of of working at JotForm from a marketing perspective, and also the challenge is. Who are our customers? You know, it's it's uh, the bakery down the street who needs to collect custom cake order forms, but it's also the major university who is doing scholarship applications or Fortune 500s or major governments on the state and federal and county level, and it's and it's everyone in between. So it's always fascinated me l- looking at who's using JotForm and why. But like I said, it's also a challenge, right? Like who who exactly are we speaking to when we're when we're marketing forms? Because it's a utility service that's great for everyone, you know. And I think that's a that's a really interesting point. You know, when you you look at at your audience, it's almost any organization that's online is, is relevant to to job. I mean, how do you deal with such a broad audience when you're trying to plan out your marketing strategy? Do you, do you have you know personas you target, or what's your approach? To, to an extent we do, you know, we have great information on our highest value industries and, and uh, at, at what times during the year they're, they're most likely to activate or become paid users, these types of things. But I, 
I, I've found it's actually more helpful to think about the use case and not necessarily the persona or the type of form that they're creating and not necessarily the industry or the, the person doing it. So we'll do, you know, a bit of marketing around promoting application forms or registration forms or donation forms, which I guess is more industry specific. We're thinking about schools and nonprofits at that point, but because for the most part, those are used across different verticals, but the, you know, that we're still identifying how they're using it. And we have a lot of, a lot of information on that, you know, and, and we've, we've fortunately been, uh, well, not fortunately, we've very deliberately been dedicated some SEO into that. So we're, we're, if you look for a registration form, we want you to find us. If, if you look for application form, we want you to find us feedback form. We want you to find us and on and on. So that's been a big, uh, big engine for us. And, and, uh, yeah, that's ultimately how we get a lot of, a lot of new users. So you mentioned SEO that that's interesting. I'm intrigued to know what are the best channels or best approaches to actually driving both new users who might be free, but also particularly some of the bigger users as well. Are there particular channels that work better than others? You know, for bigger users, for the most part, in Jotform's case, certainly they start out as small users. You know, it's so our, our pipeline for our our enterprise product was really the same as, as it was for our free and our bronze, silver, gold, which is our kind of base subscription package. But at, at usually someone starts, even if with they're within a larger organization, they, they take a liking to Jotform and, you know, maybe that's, they want broader access or, or they've introduced it to someone else. And, and all of a sudden that, you know, there's a IT professional who says that this needs to be centralized. And then they've, they've reached out for an enterprise account at, at that point. So, but the pipeline started the same, you know, they've, they've discover Jotform the same way, you know, they, they needed, they had the same need. They had a, a registration form that they needed, or they had an application form that they needed, a contact form that they needed. So it's still kind of funneled into the same, into the same system. And then of course they, they discovered that we had more offering within a, an enterprise product than it did a, a standard. So realistically we we approach marketing from a initiation standpoint, similarly, regardless of the, of the company size. That being said, we do, of course, have dedicated enterprise level marketing once, particularly once they've become a user, we have a lot of thought leadership around that. We have a lot of more technical content that, that sort of resonates with that audience. But, um, yeah, you know, from, from what's effective, it, it's, it's almost the same, it's almost the same, whether it's a one person company or a 10,000 person company. So you're a little like Dropbox almost in the way that you're getting individuals to bring the technology into a company rather than necessarily selling to a, a big decision-making unit. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good example. So, so I'm really interested in that as a, a marketing challenge because in some ways the easy bit is getting someone who loves the product to actually use it at work. The difficult bit is then getting the organization to adopt it. And you mentioned needing some um, enterprise marketing content. Uh, what is it you you really have to do with that content? Is it about convincing the IT department that, that you're enterprise ready, or is it much more about you know convincing people that you're scalable? I mean, where do you find the the, the issues that you have to address? I think it's uh, I think it's the former, and that's really where the value add is. Is if an individual within a large company is using Jotform, there is no administrative oversight. There's it's not running through. The channels that their IT or security team probably wants. It's not scalable, you know, and if that person leaves the organization, 
then that information is is gone, right? Or that account is gone, or it's very difficult to re retrieve, and it has to. It's a pain in the neck to go through our support channels. But having that control from an administrative or you know a broader enterprise level makes it much easier to handle. And of course, it comes with additional touch points with our security and customer supports, and uh, you're just kind of getting kind of getting more of everything. So that's that's the sell. Jotform is compelling from an individual level, we don't need to convince someone who's already using Jotform that, you know, it, it, they need an enterprise plan, but we do need to, to, to convince the IT department for sure. As that sounds, I mean, like what we're hearing is a lot of the, the companies trying to get individuals bringing software into a company, then face the, the difficulty of, of getting the IT department to accept it and uh, roll it out globally. And it sounds like, you know, having had all this experience in the industry, that track record must really put you in a good stead with the IT department. 100%, yeah. And, and sometimes the case is very easy. You know, we there are major companies, I won't, I won't say names, but companies that we've all heard of that have 25 plus paid Jotform accounts just sprawling throughout their organization and it, it creates a mess. You know, that, mm -hmm. that it's much it's much better for the, the organization to centralize that, put it through the same one billing, you know, easier to track. And of course, like I said, when someone leaves the organization, just uh, not having to deal with the mess of, of what, what, what you're doing with these forms, right? Because sometimes a form is deployed on a website and you can't make a change if, if, that, uh, if that account holder left the organization. Or, so yeah, it's, it's super, it, we, it's a big value add and particularly when, when Jotform is already, already widely used within a company. So it's, uh, we've seen a lot of success in that. Cool. One of the things I'm interested in, you know, as uh, somebody, you know, running marketing for, for an organization, how do you measure the success of your campaigns? Is it just really easy? It's number of new users or do you apply other metrics to get a bit more insight into the quality of those users? Yeah, great question. And it, it might even depend on who you ask within within the company. I mean, paid users are always going to be the or pay, pay the bills, obviously, but we get a lot of free users per day. It's in the thousands. It's uh, and that's something that we we act actively monitor and, and we want to be to be healthy because those turn into paid users. You know, new uh, someone who's just signing up for Jotform today most likely isn't whipping out their credit card. And they come in with a typically with a single need, and and uh, you know that's something that they're relying on. But within time, they're likely to become a, a paid user. So we we have some internal metrics that we kind of monitor, um, like how likely they are to convert, how likely a channel is to convert a user to a paid user within 30 days. So we call those P30s. That's kind of something that we look at. And then if, that, if that's a healthy channel and we're getting a lot of P30s from a particular landing page or referral traffic on a particular campaign, some advertising, whatever it is, then we'll double down on that and, and uh, make sure that, it, that it's working well. But um, you know, it needs to needs to be good. And if if we're only getting free users from something that's not turning into paid, you know, we we kind of we have that information too, and we'll be able to make a a good decision. And yeah, that that tends to be that tends to be good. Uh, active users, I mean, you know, that's as any SaaS company is is going to be monitoring, or any software company at all. That's something that we watch watch regularly. And to have any of the uh, previously mentioned metrics working well, you need you need active users. So. Yeah, those are all those are all things we yeah we look for whenever we we initiate any campaign for sure so in terms of getting those active and paid users are there any campaigns you've run that 
that have really stood out as generating you know particularly good results not short term but long term channels that have worked really well absolutely I, I i would say that the bulk of our new users are coming in via seo or paid targeting adwords and that's that's no accident you know we've, we've put a lot of a lot of work into our into our seo we have an enormous content marketing engine that, that fuels that we have a team full of seo and content strategists who are helping um, identify new use cases that we can promote and things that are going to be valuable and we've worked with uh, outside agencies for both the content production side of things and the seo side of things and seo people think it's well no people don't think it is but it, it feels like it's going to be the low cost the free version you know it's not it's a, it's a resource it's a huge resource investment to do it well and that's that's something that we've obviously done but yeah, you know, I think from a from an individual campaign, I'm trying to think of a of a good example. You know, we'll we'll go after a a particular industry from time to time, and and if we have a new feature that that makes sense for healthcare or something like that, or summer camps, we've had very targeted campaigns where we've partnered with major summer camp associations and got promoted content through their channels and. You know, showed up at events and, and kind of doubled down and over over a particular time period, or found partner companies to also promote Jotform through their channels regarding you know this specific industry. We've had some we've had some various success, but even even those nothing quite moves the needle like our ongoing search from both the paid and, and organic standpoint. We need multiple sources of users for sure not saying that we're not trying other things but the bread and butter is always going to be the uh, organic i think that's interesting because you know a good organic campaign is what is one that actually gets spreads over several years it's lots and lots of pieces of content rather than one piece of content it, totally. it is something that builds rather than a particular one item of content typically oh yeah i mean mike we we we're currently producing and we have been producing 100,000 words of written content per month. And for pr perspective, that's uh, about a 400 page book yeah. worth of content that we're producing predominantly on our blog, but also this counts our uh, support pages and template descriptions, things like that, uh, longer guides, white papers, things like that every single month. And it, and it starts slow. You know, you're not going to see a return on that after the first month that you, that you do it. But over time, you know, some of these pieces that we're, we're writing six, nine months ago start to be crawled better, or all of a sudden it's become a hotter topic and more people are searching for it and the volume increases. And, and then all of a sudden we have a, a healthy content channel. And it, it, it takes a very long time to scale that up to even get to that point from an infrastructure level. It took a full year of hiring writers and finding freelancers that we trust and that we want to continue working with. And, hiring a full-time editor and now we have multiple full-time editors just to, to make sure everything is running smoothly and you know managing the flow of, from a project standpoint is huge and then we have seos and strategists and uh the whole bit so it's it's a a lot of a lot of build up and uh you know something that you know we we didn't take lightly. it wasn't just a single <laughs> blog we threw out there we don't do it randomly we've poured a lot of a lot of time and, and energy making sure it it's something that works for us yeah, I think that's very typical. You know, most SEO projects are sort of the multi-year overnight successes. You know, mm -hmm. people think it must be magic, but no, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of planning. You know, I made a mistake early on. I'll have to say that. You know, our, our CEO when he was giving the green light for content, he's like, "Let's scale this thing, right?" 
and uh, it was exciting. And I, to me, I thought, oh, we just need people who can write and the people who can write will also come up with the ideas. Not true. You know, I mean, great, great, great if they can, but they're completely different skill sets to, to be able to have sort of a, a strategic awareness and research and SEO knowledge of what will work and how it will work versus executing a really well-written guide. So at the end of the day, it takes a pretty large team to, to even have a, a blog that will be effective. It's awesome. It's been really interesting talking to you. You know, I, I really appreciate all these insights, Chad. Is there anything you feel we should have covered about Jotform or about some of your, your marketing activities I've missed? Um, yeah, it's been great. I, I would say one thing just as sort of an extension of content that's worked really well for us. And I think I've seen it work well for other B2B uh, brands is uh, in video. You know, I think people are, are consuming more and more video content. YouTube is the second largest search engine for a reason. And I think the ways that people are consuming or intaking information works really well for video. So anything that you can say on your site, on your blog, on your social can also be said in video. And, and it's actually not that large of an investment. If you have an iPhone and you want to get started, you know, it's as easy as that, frankly. Uh, you know, if you want to put more more investment into it, that, that works too. It scales well. So um, yeah, just put a pl plug in for video. If you need ideas on that, feel free to visit the Jotform YouTube channel where we're uh, we're pumping out a, a lot of videos every day. I think we're, we're close to 25,000 subscribers. We're, we're seeing a lot of new, uh, new users on that channel as well. So recommend it for anyone. Uh, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate your time. I, if people want to get a trial of Jotform, a, trial, a free, free license, as you say, people start a free theater rather than uh, uh, any sort of trials. Do they just go to the website? Yep, jotform.com. Uh, it'll take you less than 10 seconds to, to get signed up. You can just you know, sign up with Gmail or whatever else. And then uh, it immediately drops you into a form builder and you can create another form in, in 30 seconds or less and you'll, you'll be on your way. Oh, that's amazing. I'm sure a lot of people want to try it. And if anyone's got any questions about you know, what you've talked about, particularly some of the, the marketing campaigns or maybe wants to know a bit more about video, what's the uh, best place to get hold of you? Yeah, uh, chad at jotform.com. Feel free to drop me an email. Also, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. There's a lot of Chad reads out there, but I think I'm popping up first first or second in the uh, the search results on, on LinkedIn. So yeah, I'd love it if uh, if uh, anyone followed me or added me on LinkedIn. That's great. I'm also on the, all over the Jotform blog. So it's jotform.com slash blog, and you can find my author profile and, and contact form there as well. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time and all your insights, Chad. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.